So settle back and enjoy another afternoon of snooker. What a shot. This is so special. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. And that'll put a little spring and a step. He's done it. This is Snooker Club. This is Snooker Club, the World Snooker Tour official podcast. Hello, I'm Mark Watson and welcome to Snooker Club. In a week when my co-host Stephen Hendry played golf with pop icon Harry Styles, uh, I didn't do that, actually. <laughs> Hi everyone, Jenny Ryan from The Chase is on today's show discussing her love for snooker and she'll be teaching us how to become better at quizzing. Yes, the Vixen will be taking on our quiz, obviously, which is a big one. I've never been more nervous asking the questions. Um, <laughs> we're expecting her to make a century break. Also, plenty of your emails to get through in our always entertaining correspondence section. We'll be rounding up the latest from the tour as well as the Bet Victor Welsh Open plays out in London. Let's get started with the 11th episode of Snooker Club. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, all right, Stephen. I don't want to make a massive fuss about it, but it's my birthday. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, but by the time people hear this, it will have been and gone. So many happy uh, returns. Uh, I don't want, like I say, I don't want a huge fuss over it, Stephen. I don't even want to mention. Well, why it. mention it then? <laughs> uh, because I'm worried that there will be a big fuss, and I'm just trying to sort of <laughs> ward that off now huge before fuss. it happens. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want How the snooker. I don't want their servers to go down because of all the messages <laughs> from well wishers and stuff like that. So I'm just making it clear we don't want that to happen. <laughs> How's your week apart from your uh, celebrity golfing? Good. I mean, I obviously, the, the, since the last time, there's not been any. I've not been working on, on any tournaments. Um, will be the players next week um, after this mm. podcast comes out. But um, do, doing one or two exhibitions. I've been in, in places uh, as far afield as Halifax with Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor, and in the oh, Friday really? and Saturday there, I was in the, I was in the valleys uh, playing a couple of exhibitions. So I've been um, yeah getting the queue out. How's Dennis's snooker these days? Dennis does more the compare and the MC and he referees. Right. So he does his trick shots and jokes and stuff. Um, and Steve Davis and I play best of three, although it's not even best of three. If it's one each, it's a black ball game. Um, so there's very right, little right. snooker played. Uh, lots of <laughs> lots of joking about. Um, and yeah, it was a great great night. We do a Q and A and us get some interesting questions. It's good. Oh, that sounds great. So. Um... Uh, this has been the one tournament since our last podcast, the Bet Victor German Masters. Judd Trump, of course, picked up the trophy, his fourth ranking title of the season, uh, with a 10-5 win over C in the final. Although, again, it, it could have been a lot tighter than that. Yeah, I, I was watching some of it. It's obviously it's a Eurosport event. I don't do Eurosport, so I tend to not watch snooker. Not watch snooker when I'm not being paid. Um, but <laughs> I, you've I, made I, that I, absolutely I, clear, Stephen. You've made your absolutely clear. <laughs> but I, I, I did dip in and out, and yeah, Cisho Wee was 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 five two behind the final. Got back to five four. Started the evening with a, a magnificent century, and then missed the easiest of reds in the next frame to go five five. Then Judd sort of pulled away. Um, yeah. And he's, it wasn't at his best the whole week, I would say, Judd, but he's just, he's become a, a real winning machine. He can win when he's, you know, he can use his B game and when he's under put under pressure, he's able to find gears. There are a lot of players that can sneak into a big final and get some of the way. And then we've seen quite a lot of these finals that are like 10, 5, 6, 7. It's one thing to, to get there, but to compete over every session, it seems to be what, what marks out the real champions. And Judd's becoming one of those guys, as you say. He certainly, I mean, it's becoming a two-player season, as it was. Ronnie and Judd are absolutely dominating. But I was pleased to see CJ yeah. Wee have a performance because obviously after his semi-final of the world, you were looking to see if he was going to step on this season and continue that. Um, and he hadn't done really done up until now. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see him um, get to that final. Hopefully he can he can kick on from there. I mean, obviously Trump's got. Well, he's now on 27 ranking titles, which is 
one short of Steve Davis, still uh, a number short of you, 10, in fact. Or you need 10 to overtake you. But that's, if that's yeah. again, assuming you don't get any more, which we never assume. Well, um, so that's a big question. Does beating 16 um, Welsh guys in the Valleys count as a ranking? I don't I don't know. So probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you did, did you? <laughs> you, uh, well, I, did, did, I lost two or three frames actually but let's not go let's not go there did you but, inquire uh, whether it counted for ranking points at, at the time or uh... <laughs> i had four centuries so i don't know if that counts onto my tally i'm trying i'm trying oh. anything i'm trying to get anything to get my figures up <laughs> yeah yeah we'll have you making a century break while we record the podcast four centuries was it in the exhibition yeah, 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 yeah. So it, was, it wasn't bad actually it wasn't bad so um i was quite That's quite right. happy trump is easily the youngest guy on this sort of list of the top yes. rankings on this, which obviously makes you think, I mean, he's mm. to have 27 at this stage is, is quite something more than Williams, for example, mm. who uh, started 15 years earlier. So it does make you wonder what Trump's going to, how many he's going to chalk up, especially if Ronnie, well, we always say if Ronnie doesn't play forever, although it, it feels mm. like he is actually. And I think it's an interesting that 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 Judd has pulled out of the Welsh. Um, yeah. I think I think he's he's had such a good season, and I don't think it's actually that bad a decision. He's always he obviously guaranteed being in the players and the Tour Championship, um, and obviously the World Championship to come up. So it's, I think it's it's quite a good time for him to take a break and sort of yeah. not be too burned out by the time he gets to Sheffield. Yeah, because that's got to be the only the only risk really the, the sheer amount mm. of stuff that they're playing now, and because the world's is where it is in the year. You've played a hell of a lot mm. of snooker by that point. I yeah. guess. So that's must be Ronnie's thinking as well. You want to be right for, for the really big one. Absolutely. And let's not forget the top players that they're, they're going to Saudi Arabia and then straight to China, pretty much straight after before they come yeah. back for the tour championship in the world. So even though that's literally, well, the best part, a couple of months to the end of the season, there's a lot of snooker crammed into that. Yeah. And it is these big ones that, that count in the end, I suppose that Judd is not, He's not won as many triple crown events as Robertson or Williams or Selby. So even mm. though he's got more ranking titles, he's he's not quite up there in the conversation. Maybe uh, he would he would love some of the the really big ones, another yeah. another worlds, another presumably. But most most definitely, I, th- I think I think he's got his eye on the world championship this year. He's, he's only won it once. Um, yeah. he's had he's had a lot of good performances there. But for someone of his um, sort of winning habit. Um, I think that's the one he, he's looking for, and I think he's going to tailor the rest of the season towards that. Yeah, hard to blame him, really. It does feel like that would complete an amazing mm. season for him. Yeah, I suppose the number of world championships is one of the things that you're remembered for, really, despite all these tournaments and all these statistics. Yeah, I mean, the Triple Crown events are, are important when to, to tally up um, your season. You know, when people talk about, you know, goats and, and legends of the game, um, I think in every sport, I think golf's the same. They talk about in terms of how many majors have won. Um, yeah. And I think, I think although Judd say wins just that one world title the rest of his career, but he wins 50 ranking tournaments, I'm sure he'll be very, very bloody happy with his career. Will yeah. there be an asterisk against that, saying that, well, he only won world championships? So I think I think he definitely wants to win more of these big events. He's already, you know, a- alongside the likes of Selby and, and Higgins, Williams. He's already one of the greatest players of all time, but the way he plays the game. Um, but I think to cement that, I, from, for me, in my opinion, he needs to win, you know, at least two or three more world championships, I think. As for C, I mean, you, you you did actually say in the last episode, we need more young players to step up. Mm. You, cha- you challenged them. You basically, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. you, you said everyone was rubbish. And uh, <laughs> I'm, again, and he's obviously, he's paid attention to that. And, and we saw flashes in the final, like you say, of what of 
of a potential yeah. champion there. Yeah. But again, what is the what is the gap? Is it is it just the experience of being in finals? That must that must be part of it. Judd's yeah, been there it, a fair it, bit. De- definitely, definitely. You've got to be. You've got to put yourself at that business end of the tournament. You've got to get to the weekends, the Saturdays, and the Sundays again and again and again, and yeah. and get that confidence and 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 be able to feel comfortable. I mean, you look comfortable. I mean, that <clears throat> that Tempodrome in Berlin is some venue to be at one table. I think there's about three thousand people in there. So he's got yeah. the temperament. There's no there's no denying that he got to the semifinal of the world. It didn't phase him at all. But you just you got to keep getting there and getting there, and so you feel completely that that you're not the underdog. That you're there to yeah. win as well. Um, I think at the minute he's perhaps feeling a little bit of the underdog and he's got nothing to lose, but um, he's got the talent. I mean, some of, the, some of his play in the week, um, beating Karen Wilson's, he played a long blue, um, which was just, just just phenomenal. So he goes, I love the way he plays. He goes for his shots, getting to one final, and then if we don't hear from him again for the rest of the season, that's not what you want from someone who's a, yeah. who's a, a potential top player. I'd have loved to see that long blue, but I also don't watch Eurosport unless I'm being paid money, Stephen. So um, <laughs> and they've not got back to me actually for a while now. It's, it's quite a difficult way to make a living, I have to say. I'm not switching on the tent until you get paid them <laughs> yeah. the money. I'm Stephen Hendry. I'm Mark Watson. And this is Snooker Club, the official World Snooker Tour podcast. Before we move on to discussing the race to Telford and the action in mm-hmm. Dudna, we've got a special interview uh, to bring you with coach and mentor Chris Henry. Henry helped several players on tour, and um, one of his newest recruits is the often self-effacing Sam Craigie, who got to the semi-finals in Berlin. Career best run for him. Uh, Ollie from WST caught up with Chris to discuss the science behind Sam's new positive mindset. Chris, we're here at the Bet Victor German Masters and it's been a, a fantastic week for Sam Craigie, one of your players, a player who you work with pretty closely and have done recently. He spoke to us during the tournament and said his confidence was pretty low at one point this season. Really good player, got all the talent, but he just couldn't see it for whatever reason. Where do you start with, with someone like that? Tell us how, how are you started with Sam. Well, we've got to find out where they're at, basically with their self-confidence and self-belief. He believed that he wasn't very good technically. I already knew that he was very sound in that department. But you've got to prove that. It's no good just keep reminding people from your perspective or or your opinion that the technique's good. So we very quickly demonstrated that his technique was very good and actually it's it's incredibly good. He has a high level of ability, but he doesn't believe that, right? So that's dragging him back all the time. So technically very, very good and similar to Mike Selby, aiming to miss certain shots blaming the wrong thing for the problem. So very quickly we established what that was. Shots where we actually aim to miss, we think we're aiming to pot them, and when we miss, we blame the tangible, technical, mechanical. So he understands that now, and he's so relieved that he's sound technically. What we've done this last three months is re-coordinated his mechanics with his visuals. So now where he consciously believes he's aiming, he's subconsciously aiming there. Right, so it looks right now. Once that starts to happen, of course, the confidence starts to change because you can go out into this arena now and think to yourself, well, everything's sound, there's no reason why I can't perform. On the psychological side, we work on something called neural rewiring, which is, um, he's just about to start to get into this stuff now, where we help a player to subconsciously start to believe that they can achieve what they're attempting to, to achieve. You've got to be very, very good and have an ability to go out into these arenas and stay in what we call alpha brainwave state. A little bit like driving a car for one hour, arriving at your destination, not remembering the journey. 
how the heck does that work? Where because of repetition of driving that car for many, 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 many months, you create the habit of driving, you do it without thinking. That's the state you're trying to get to in snooker. And that's the state we call the zone. It's a subconscious state where habits are controlling everything, mechanically and visually, and all you're doing is choosing which shots to play. And once a player starts to genuinely believe that they are at, at a certain level, everything starts to calm down and it just becomes a lot easier. So he's definitely improving in terms of um, how he deals with himself. And I think if Sam can get very good at that, he can be very successful. It seems like what you're saying, if you can rely on those fundamentals, you have confidence in them. Yes. That's what then means you don't perhaps get as in such a, a huff out on the table or you're not as, as annoyed at yourself. So despite, again, us from the outside thinking with Sam, it's all about his mental state. It's actually the technical work that's gone in on the practice table beforehand. Yeah, will affect that mental. Yeah, that, yeah absolutely. And there's one key word and that's trust. Can you trust yourself to go and do and pot that ball? And he's starting to trust, and that's why he's becoming a dangerous player. It's fascinating to see somebody like Sam you know, doing what he's doing now. He's always had that ability. Okay, he was visually uncoordinated through ineffective repetition, blaming the wrong thing for those things. That's gone now, and so he's on a really good track. We don't want to get too carried away. He's had a brilliant week. How quickly, though, can this sort of thing snowball in a really good way? You know, how much momentum and belief trust as you say can you now pick up from a brilliant week like this who knows where it could take sure it, and it can go very quickly what i would say is there's a part of the brain called the amygdala uh, <laughs> and that part of the brain is looking for uh, things that it can recognize so for example sam's going out into this arena today he's playing judd trump he's in the uh, temper drum there's two and a half thousand screaming fans it's his first ever semi-final um, so you know he's going to feel nervous but what he's doing today is creating memory files for future reference, we call it experience, so that next time it happens, there's more probability he'll feel more comfortable to be able to deal with it next time. Yeah. And it's a really good example of how you know, just little tweaks and little changes here and there can, can have a big impact. It, it, can have a, it can have a huge impact. I've seen it on many occasions in the past. Um, I think he turned professional in 2011. If someone had said to me, you know, somebody of this guy's ability, this is his first semi-final in his, in his career um, as a professional, I wouldn't have believed you. He's far too good for that. Well, look, it's, it's a relationship that's, you know, the fruits of his labour have shown this week, and uh, it's been fascinating to see, and I hope that, it, hope that it continues, and he continues to flourish. Yeah, I think there's every chance he will. Brilliant. Cheers, Chris. Thanks. Now, the Abet Victor Welsh opening, I did know, is well underway. And the players inside the top 16 on the one-year list at the end of the tournament will qualify for the Players' Championship in Telford. Quite a lot of players are sort of on the borderline. Mm. Uh, Chris Wakeland's in 16th. Steve just mentioned 18th, so he needs to get to the semis. And then uh, there's people like Murphy, Lazowski, Kyron Wilson, Matt Sell, who, who mm. would need to get to the final yeah. to enter the Players' Championship. So it's it shows you the level we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this this player series is something that if I was playing, I've mentioned it a few times, I'd love to be involved in, especially the Tour Championship, um, yeah. which is before the Worlds, it's long frame matches, real, real good workout before you go to Sheffield. Um, and I believe, I believe the Tour Championship, um, we'll be chatting about this subject perhaps later on, is, is, is 
perhaps a fourth major. Um, there'll be a bit of conjecture about um, other tournaments in the future. But yeah, yeah the Tour Championship is an important one to get to. And the likes of Murphy, um, as you say, Lazowski, you know, will want to be there. Um, you don't want a big gap of, say, three or four weeks of non-playing, I don't think, before you go to Sheffield. No, given the timing of it, um, Luca Bressel and Neil Robertson would need to win the title to um, mm. to qualify because, well, for different reasons, I suppose. Robertson's just coming back into form by the look of it. Uh, and mm. Luca seems to have been mostly driving sports cars around ever since he uh, won in Sheffield. <laughs> but there's repercussions for that, right? You, if Robertson doesn't play there, then there's quite a lot of points come off your, your two-year ranking. You can end up struggling to qualify for the. Well, he could end up having to qualify for the Crucible still. Yeah, I think well, I think that's pretty nailed on there, unless he does something incredible, um, Neil Robertson. Um, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of players in that draw not wanting to see Neil Robertson's name come through if he does yeah. qualify. Because, I mean, even, even I mean, that's not a given that he's going to qualify for the world, even if he has to. I mean, is that, that's that's a minefield, those qualifiers. Uh, the Welsh Open, as we've said, there's no Trump and no O'Sullivan. I was going to ask you how you feel generally about players sort of pulling out of tournaments. It's one of the, 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 the good things about the tours. Players don't have to enter every tournament. They can choose not to enter if they want to. If you've clicked the button at the start of the season, which says you enter everything automatically, then obviously you've got to have a reason for pulling out. And, and, yeah. and Ronnie's, Ronnie's obviously published his reasons for pulling out. Judd, I think, is, is, is a sort of strategic one, uh, the, way, the way I'm thinking. Recharge the batteries before a big end of season push. Um, yeah. With those two players gone, I mean, the other players must be thinking, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what I mean, chance? it's a dream to play in a tournament without either of those guys, yeah. Now, you've got a very interesting tournament that's so open now, literally anybody could win that Welsh Open, and what an opportunity for someone to come out of nowhere and win a ranking title. Well, that's the flip side, isn't it? It's it's nice to have a tournament where you don't show up thinking this will probably be Ronnie again. Yeah, for the, for the health of the game, we need more we need more players to be in the mix, so maybe it's, a, maybe it's sort of a blessing. Hi, I'm Luca Brassell, and when I'm driving around in the Ferrari, I love listening to the WST official podcast, The Snooker Club. There's been news of a new ranking event from August the 31st to September the 7th in Riyadh. The uh, inaugural Saudi Arabia Snooker Masters will take place, officially becoming the sport's fourth major. Uh, this is in addition to the Invitational Tournament, of course, which is coming up soon. And it will sit uh, alongside the traditional Triple Crown events, prize pot of over £2 million at stake. So the second richest event on the tour. The Saudi Arabia Snooker Masters will be a world ranking event open to all 128 tour players, plus six local wildcards. And it's part of a 10-year deal between WST, the World Nine Ball Tour, and the Saudi Billiard and Snooker Federation and Ministry of Sport for Saudi Arabia. We've talked about the prospect mm-hmm. of you going to Saudi Arabia to pick up one of those wild cards and uh, living there permanently. <laughs> so, um, so a huge tournament. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 fantastic for the players. Fantastic news. I mean, a, a huge event. I mean, it, it talks of fourth majors it might be premature. The tournament's not even been played yet, but certainly yeah. the, the the first prize is going to be there. Um, I think I think majors need to be. Um, they need to be around for that's why I think the tour championship because it's been around um, for a few years now it's become this 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 huge event for for eight or ten players to play long frame matches um, but there's no doubt that this 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 is going to be a huge um, a huge thing for snooker I mean a 10 year deal um, first prize yeah. is going to be going to be around half a million pounds it won't be as much as the world um, I think that's a rule that it can't be bigger than the world championship yeah which is a good um, thing the world's yeah. got to He's got to Absolutely. have that, that untouchable Absolutely. status, I think. Yeah. We're always talking about how snooker is looking to grow. Yeah. 
and while still keeping true to its traditional fan base, obviously. I suppose what's good about mm-hmm. this one is it is for the whole tour rather than just a kind of tournament yeah. of, of the elite. And this tournament has come from, obviously comes from the, the tournament of the, of the, the top eight are going to, you know, next month. This, this other huge deal for 10 years has come from that. Yeah, obviously a lot of the players have been saying that there need to be more opportunities for, for players below the, the absolute top. So that's that's good. And it's a huge opportunity for, for someone. I guess there'll be some qualifying rounds in this in this country first and then... I, I, uh, I, would, I would imagine so. Yeah, they won't fly 128 people out to Saudi, surely. <laughs> but um, <laughs> one of the good things about this is that it keeps people in a tour event. There's always talk about breakaway events and players, mm. especially the top players, going where the money is, which is fair enough. But now this is an opportunity... Yeah, a competition which could make anyone into a, a massive winner, anyone in that 128. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there were, there was moans and groans about, oh, this is you know the top eight are getting looked after again, and what about us down, down the rankings? Yeah. Um this this has gone on since I've been a professional. You know, you know, but it has. Four, yeah. yeah, I mean, four top players used to go to Hong Kong, Thailand, China. To, to do these exhibition tours first, I mean, the one next month is not an a proper tournament, but do these little exhibition tournaments in order for there to be a ranking tournament yeah. following to benefit all the players. It was important yeah. that the top eight guys go out first um, and, and, and have this tournament, and, and it's going to be to the benefit of, of, of the whole tour. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fact of life that, that um, you know, when you first go to a, a place that's never had a tournament before, Unfortunately, the players they only want to see the top players at the beginning. This is the benefit of that. You've got to build a culture, haven't you? Um, of course. Uh, there was a time when there was no major, like in Germany, for example, or well, everywhere where we've seen snooker kind of develop. It's taken a little bit of time because, as you say, there's only a handful of real box office names that that are going to draw the crowds to start mm. with. But that's yeah where you build from. Well, I guess it comes a couple of months after the Worlds, so there'll be a fair gap. Mm. So it'll sort of well, end up yeah. being like a curtain raiser for the for the new season. A huge start to the season. So, I mean, it, it, for, from a player's point of view, you tend to take a lot of the summer off and maybe don't practice as much. But with this yeah. this huge tournament looming in August, I mean, you're going to have to start preparing. You're going to have to get yourself in a snooker club in 90 degree heat in the summer. For half a million quid prize, you probably would put off the trip to Ibiza with the, with the family, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but whether we'll see Stephen back in the snooker hall in 30 degree heat, though, is debatable because we've struggled to get you in there when it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> well, we'll see what develops with that. But obviously, big news, big money for someone. <laughs> but as it stands, probably Ronnie or Judd. Still, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what difference a few months make. We'll see who spends their July and August on the practice table. <laughs> Hi, I'm Barry Hawkins, and when I'm walking the dogs around Kent, I like to switch off by listening to WST's The Snooker Club. So we come on to the correspondence section. Thank you for being in touch in, as ever, considerable numbers. We love hearing from you. It's snookerclub at wst.tv. And uh, as always, if we don't hear your email uh, today, then uh, keep listening. We will uh, get to it. Part of what's holding us up is the wasp correspondence specifically <laughs> ever since ever since henry opened up on wasps uh, in this podcast we've sort of struggled to um to hold back the the wasp fans this is doro well you, you asked about wasp sprays Stephen. again this is not a direction we ever saw the podcast going but here we are um you got me googling about wasp sprays says doro you can buy lethal ones freely not very good for humans either but unless you are allergic to wasp stings it is still forbidden to kill 
wasps with it. I think this was specifically in Germany, right? Where there was some talk about how yeah. in Germany you could be fined huge amount for um for killing a wasp for spraying it. So this is good advice for you. Wasps seem to keep clear of citronella oil, basil, sage, rosemary, and peppermint. Peppermint. I know the peppermint because um, on my balcony in my apartment in the summer, I get peppermint oil and rub it all over the railings. And, and that in, works. In a, well, I don't. Um, it's debatable, but um, any little okay. thing, yeah. Pa- apparently, peppermint thing. is a thing they don't like. It also says spray plain water on them, and it makes them think it's raining, and they fly away. That doesn't sound very scientific <laughs> to me. <laughs> Try and outwit the wasp, confuse the wasp as to the weather conditions. So there you go. <laughs> Some help. I feel this has gone Dora. too far. This wasp stuff. <laughs> me too, but I, I, I think. Um, I, I don't really see how, how we stop it now. I guess I can ask people not to write in about wasps anymore, but that's only going to make them do it more. Um, we were also talking about this golden ball business. Thomas from Shetland, and he won't be the only one, says, I quite like the idea of a ball worth 20 points. I would just have to pot that and it would be my new highest break. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's all very well talking about it after a maximum, but um, for those of us that struggle to get to 20, it, it does sound like a possible gift. Uh, Paul, meanwhile, says uh, this is um, a snooker a snooker encounter anecdote. It's always exciting when someone starts like this. Not a great story, <laughs> but a story nonetheless. Um, <laughs> I quite like this. I met Anthony McGill in the co-op around the corner from the Barbican about an hour before he played Ronnie. I asked if he was up for the match and he replied by saying, oh, I, Ronnie's getting smashed, mate. I was then, <laughs> I was then sat directly behind Anthony for the match and watched as the wheels slowly fell off for six straight frames. <laughs> Can't help but have a chuckle. Admire his confidence, mind. We've discussed this. Maybe the co-op isn't the place to have these big conversations. Maybe McGill's mental yeah. preparation wasn't what it was. It should have been. Well, yeah. Why, why do you want to be in a co-op an hour before you go on in the match table? I mean, that's the, it, that, that can't be good preparation. I thought you'd probably have a view on that, Steve. Have you ever had someone try and talk to you too close to a game? We, we know that you're not a great fan of chit-chat immediately before a match. No, 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 no stopping chats, as Larry would say. Um, from me, I would basically be um, avoiding all human contact um, <laughs> for a, as much as possible before before going on uh, on the table for a match. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be. The, I wouldn't be the best, uh, the most approachable person. Um, I mean, even the, the you know the, the the guy that used to drive me around. My man, you wouldn't get any words out of me before a match. I was. I was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it was just it was just my way. I don't know. I just I just went into this this different. Uh, people say wouldn't be a different personality. I'm always like that, but um, I went <laughs> I went even deeper into that personality. You just go match. full Hendry, yeah, yeah, absolutely That's full funny. Hendry. Would you have you ever used your cue to actually fend someone off physically, or you try not to resort <laughs> to actual violence if possible? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think you should. I mean, yeah, 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 no, no, no. I'm not. I wouldn't no. say I was a violent person. I, I, no. I think I think a, a look would 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 tend to to do the business for me. Yeah, well, for, it sounds like it would. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Josh has asked. He says I've got a niche snooker question. When you're young and you need to be practicing five, six, seven hours a day, who pays for the lights? He says at my club it's about eleven quid an hour. You can't have been forking out the best part of a hundred a day to practice. Did your parents pay, or did the club sponsor you in electricity? Well, I mean, when I first started playing, um, did you have electricity in those days? <laughs> yeah, I played by candlelight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to be careful not to knock the candle over onto the bays with the end of your key. Um, yeah, in the, in the beginning I didn't, but um, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say most professionals will, will be getting um, free free electricity from the clubs that they play in. Yeah, but when you're a young player, I suppose it is a fair 
it's a fair question yeah. when you when you're not known yeah when i when i when i when i used to have to pay obviously my dad used to have to pay um but i, I used to actually um say my dad used to pay i used to have to work in my dad's fruit and veg shop packing potatoes into bags um and that would be my pocket money to be able to play snooker at the weekend there you go so you we, still the, a... still the only job i've ever had <laughs> amazing stuff was it good practice for snooker because you had to sort of uh, like roll the potatoes inaccurately or, or uh, not really related skills? I'm not going to lie, Mark, it was boring. I bet it was, yeah. I bet if anything gave you an incentive to get good at snooker, it would be packing the potatoes. I used to, I used to pack them in £3, £5 and £10 bags, uh, pounds as in weight. Um, and I used to start to take them at the shop and stack them. I used to stack them like really neatly in a little triangle, each pile, the £3, the £5, the £10. And if a customer came in and took one, I'd be fuming. <laughs> I can just oh, imagine. Fuming. But sometimes they take them from the middle. I mean, who are yeah. these people? And the whole thing would collapse. Oh, man. It's, it's, yeah, you still see this, unfortunately, in shops. You'll see someone disrupt a beautiful display like that. And uh, it's a low moment. I used to work in a supermarket stacking shelves. And again, people would make unbelievable decisions about which one to go for. They'll, <laughs> they'll take one, then they'll sort of have a look at it, shake their head and take another one. Yeah. I used to spy around the corner and say, see them. I said they'd be, they'd be sort of hovering over my potato design. And you uh, think, nightmare. don't you dare. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a uh, correspondence here from uh, Craig in Paisley. Um, early 40s, got into snooker through my grandparents. I met Stephen Hendry, well, more like seen him. Again, people always row back from these, uh, these claims. Mm-hmm. Met Stephen Hendry around 1990. As a kid, my mum took me to Love Street to see St Mirren. At the corner of the ground, there was a wee car park. And as we, as we walked by... Stephen was going to the other end. He said he never saw me as I waved frantically at him. Do you remember watching Hearts and St Mirren? It's, it, it, it may well have happened. So it could I be that I can't, rem- did, I can't remember. It might be that he did see you fr- frantically waving, Craig, but it just wasn't uh, Stephen. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, why do snooker players refer to each other by their surnames? I understand it in football or team sports, but not in snooker. Yeah, I suppose it, there, there is a fair bit of that, isn't it? Um, everyone calls Ronnie Ronnie, though. He's He's got a special like name yeah like the Pope yeah it's it's weird I mean even even other players call me Hendry like they'll say yeah. oh Hen- like Hen- Hendry this Hendry that and it says oh my name's Stephen um I think Steve's even gone around for a circle they're calling him Steve more than Davis um yeah but yeah Jimmy's Jimmy Ronnie's Ronnie don't That's know what cool you have name. to do to be to be to be first named I don't know no it must be maybe there's a particular number of uh, tournaments you've got I suppose Maybe it helps to have a distinctive name as well. Judd is the only one, the only player we have called Judd. So it's obvious who you're referring to. Whereas yeah, there's been a fair yeah. few Steves and Stevens come and go. Thanks for getting in touch. Oh, Craig also says, he, uh, love your book, Contacts. One of a small amount of books I've read more than once. That's very nice, Craig. Thanks very much. Again, hope it was my book and not uh, someone else's. <laughs> but um, another sighting of, this does sound like it's got the ring of truth because we know you've got a bit of form. Uh, in this yeah. area, I met Stephen Hendry in Number Ten Nightclub probably about twenty years ago. He was he was with Mark Williams and Dominic Dale was singing opera. Now you'd remember that, I think. Number Ten Nightclub. I do, I do remember being 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 somewhere with uh, Mark and, and and Dominic was singing. Oh yeah, I do remember. So I don't know where that is. That this nightclub. Well, Does it, it say what country or? It doesn't. I'm I not sure. He's going to say Number Ten Downing Street. I thought that's that's <laughs> going to be a bit random. <laughs> if Dominic Dale has ever sung opera in Ten Downing Street, then I think we need to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, does uh, sing, he does he does sing he's got a weird weird singing voice it's like roy orbison slash opera singer it's yeah i can sort of imagine it because he's got a little bit of the orbison about it i, I can kind of and he's quite tall i can imagine him having a bit of stage presence as well that's the sort of thing uh 
that's the sort of thing I, that uh, not too many snooker fans get that opportunity. This is another guy <laughs> called Steve, actually. And he says, I'm a fawning fan. Grew up watching Stephen. Still play with the Stephen Hendry Q. There you go. Wow. I mean, not even not even you <laughs> play with the Stephen Hendry Q these days. You've... No, I know. That's the, that's the thing people will say. Like, there's not... Um... I don't think there's been one player in history has endorsed a cue that he actually uses. It's quite an anomaly in, in snooker because obviously tennis, they, they probably tennis rackets. You can make they, they come on the court with five or six, they're all the same. Yeah. You can use them all. You can't do that with snooker cues. No, you never see that, do you? This, you, you no. and in fact, there's been players that have shown up and their cue gets broken or something or on the way yeah. or it doesn't get delivered and they're absolutely uh, they're panicky. I mean, the first top player that actually wins, say, wins the world championship using a cue that you can actually buy the actual cue i mean they'll make a fortune i mean the cue that anthony mcgill uses that the, the carbon fiber one that's actually could be a way to do that because they can make it every one of them will be the same um whereas wood you can't get two bits of wood the same even if it's the right. same measurements so if someone wins a tournament with one of those carbon fiber cues you will be able to buy that exact same cue there you go well we'll wait and see whether we ever have a carbon fiber championship winner thank you for all real nice range of questions and uh, responses to our questions. Keep it coming. Uh, m- maybe ease off the wasp stuff now because Stephen's getting sort of uh, worn out. <laughs> the more, it's stressful for him to be thinking about wasps as much as this. But uh, all other subjects, keep them coming and uh, we'll tackle a post bag again next time. Hello, I'm Jed Trump. And whenever I'm flying around the world, I listen to the World Snooker Tour podcast, The Snooker Club. It's now time to welcome this week's special guest, a regular on one of the biggest quiz shows in the country, The Chase, of course. She was third on Celebrity X Factor. She was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, where um, she and I performed in an event together, in fact. Best known as The Vixen is Jenny Ryan. Hi, Jenny. Hello. Hi, Jenny. See both of you. Now, sometimes we get a guest on and uh, start talking about their love of snooker, and it turns out they haven't actually watched snooker for a long time. (laughs) But um, in your case, you were... Like me, you were there uh, at Ali Pali for the Masters, I, I believe. I was. That, that I can remember anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's really good to have such a, an amazing venue um, and, and get to go. You know, I've, I've been a few times now at this time, treated yeah. to, to the Century Club. Wow. Oh, lovely. Yes, that's, that's where <laughs> they, so, uh, so that means you didn't watch much snooker then? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not really sure how that match ended. It <laughs> did very well. <laughs> I was in, also in the Century Club, but I, I was there for um, Mark Allen's 147, and it was that was amazing. A real hush fellow. Even that bit where there's people chattering, and there was a table of people behind me who had no idea what was going on in the snooker, but even they were watching those last couple of balls going. But yeah, it's odd in there because for the rest of the time, there's a fair bit of chatter, and you feel like the players, well, in fact, the players complained this year that mm. someone smashed a wine glass, and the, I had my kid there, and I was really <laughs> paranoid he'd knock something over. But yes, um, <laughs> It's a good experience. You've been to the Crucible as well, haven't you? Yeah, a good few times now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, in fact, the first time I went uh, went to the final, Ronnie versus Ali Carter, strangely ah, enough. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And we got tickets for the for the last session, and it looked like we might only see two frames. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you prefer, the sort of silence of the Crucible or the noise at the Masters? Which atmosphere did you prefer? See, I, I do associate snooker with a, a bit of peace and quiet, so probably right. I, I like the, the reverent, yeah. almost holding breath hush of the Crucible. Yeah. It's something quite quite special there is something um, special about that yeah when, when you, at the same yeah. time a, 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 an atmosphere where people are getting very very into it hmm. probably too into it at Ali Pali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
I mean, it's it's hardly the darts. So it's, it's there's still <laughs> no, it, it's still it a certainly lot, is. Lot of hush. <laughs> we don't see many snooker fans coming in costume for a start. Banned. Really? That's probably a good thing. And good you know what we need to ban as well? It, it, in York at Christmas, ban Christmas jumpers. I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were a Grinch about it, Stephen. It's a bit oh, late for that, no. to be topical. In darts, you're not facing the crowd. But mm-hmm. in snooker, you if someone's wearing a, a glaringly like bright yeah. yellow costume, you'd see it in the yeah. corner of your eye and it would put you off. One of the few sports that you can't go to in fancy dress. That's a, it's a bit of niche snooker trivia for today. There we go. What's your earliest memory of snooker, Jenny? When did you first start watching it? I've been I have been thinking about this and it's it's actually I know it's the old cliche, watching it on a little black and white tilly. Really? <laughs> yeah. I used to, I used to um for those of you in black and white, the yellow's behind the pink, famous Ted Low line. <laughs> yeah, so when I, when I was very small, there was obviously, in, in my mum's house, we had the big telly downstairs, the colour one that came from Rumbelows. Right. Um, obviously, it wasn't that big. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I what, what used to pass as a big telly. Yeah, I could sneak the little black and white portable. It's one with your little dial. You had to find the channel. Yeah, yeah, on. yeah. I remember that. Um, and, I, and I could watch things. And the thing that was on late at night that was also quite quiet was snooker right. so I, I could stay up way beyond my supposed bedtime watching something <laughs> and it felt, exactly it the felt same. really cheeky <laughs> yeah one of the ways i got into snooker as a kid was as you say you could be up till nearly midnight without disturbing the soul basically yeah, yeah. i think there's a generation i think, I think of my mum would yeah. come in and go all right fair enough <laughs> yeah yeah you can't really as long as, long as you're up for I'm school sure kids these these days in the in the room at midnight the parents come in what are you watching the city snooker I went yeah of course you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'd say that probably well kids are a bit more streetwise now but also me and jenny probably aren't we're never the most rebellious of kids if if your biggest problem you've got with your kid is they're secretly watching snooker at, at, late, yeah. at, at half past 10 at night then uh, you're not looking at too much of a tear away but yeah it was, i used to i used to just hope for the games to go as long as possible because it would yeah. you know it would be just like and it, again not many people were doing that you wouldn't go into school and bleary-eyed and someone would say oh we were, we were watching <laughs> James Botana against Higgins <laughs> did you have a favorite player growing up um I'm not sure I really did no no um it's it's only getting to appreciate it I think as I got older that that you go oh you work out the different styles of play and what really appeals to mm-hmm. you and um you know I, I I do like the break building and I like kind of uh the, the the slower stuff so yeah right. it's uh i'm i'm less a, a a ronnie man and and more a selby man okay yeah yeah fair enough yeah i mean not yeah. everyone goes for selby but it's nice to see some appreciation for the uh the slow the dark arts of the game yeah yeah he gets a he gets a bad press i think i mean he's okay he plays the game differently but he's he's one of the greatest players of all time and, oh, and one of the player. one of the cleverest players of all time, and 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 I think he gets a bad a bad rap, but I mean he's yeah. he's, he's a he's a bloody genius on the table. Oh, he's oh, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and it was I mean he was who I saw against Mark Allen at the Masters, and it was a absolute privilege to watch him. But then also I did have to get my kid home before before the end. <laughs> <laughs> They're still there now, I think. Oh, and when I was at the Masters two years ago, um, I'd, I'd I'd gone with uh, so old family friends, Catherine and David, and we'd had a we'd had a couple of pints before we went in. Obviously, went to the loo, 
very conscientious. And then the first frame, I think, was 45 minutes because it was Selby. Right. We, we missed the next frame because we all had to go for possibly the longest wee of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, can, it can be hard on the bladder. Yeah, that's, it's not comfortable, <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, do, you, do you play at all, Jenny? I do not. I I really lack the uh, the the skill, and I think with my vision as well, the the depth perception, I am absolutely in awe of of anybody. And it's when people go, oh, I'd, I'd be really good at that. I'm great at snooker. I'm like, yeah, sure you are. Sure, you. come on. You might be all right at pool, but snooker is yeah. Oh, snooker come is on. not pool as we let's, know. Let's go and actually look at the size of a snooker table because people mm. don't realise until they've 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 been up close and gone, oh. Oh, oh yeah, that's 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 a long old distance. It's a long way to the other end when you're breaking off on a real table. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> not sure you'll ever see that cue ball again. That thing of um people saying, "Oh, my mate's good at those." You must get this with with quizzing as well, because certainly with stand-up people, everyone's got a mate that they say, "Oh, he, he should be a comedian." Uh, Presumably, yeah. again, something like the chase looks like something which a lot of people fancy that themselves at. Yeah, I think there's a a huge difference between going on as a, a punter on yeah. on the chase and um, or going on another show like Mastermind, where it's it's just you against the format. And there are quite a few people, especially in the quiz world, who think that there would be a great chaser without realizing there are there are a lot of other bits to to that game. Yeah. You, you've obviously got to have some good general knowledge, quite broad, but be able to come up with extra facts that are entertaining on the spur of the moment. You've got to do the verbal sparring. You've got to also have an, a, a, a professionalism about yourself, um, conducting yourself. Basically, you're, you're, you're the co-host of this yeah. TV show. And to be dropped into that as somebody who's, you know, an, an amateur at very best at presenting anything is <laughs> um, quite a big, a big deal. So it was... Yeah, it must be, yeah. I, I was quite, um, I was quite thrilled when I got selected to be a chaser because uh, I knew that they'd taken all these things into account. And we, we'd been told that the, there were three of us who were up for the job at the same time, that there wasn't a vacancy. So if none of us was right for the job, right. nobody was getting the job. So it wasn't mm. even like, I've got a one in three chance. Like, no, I've got, I, I've, got to be really, I've got to be really good at all the aspects of this. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah. It's yeah. People do will go, Oh yeah. My mate could be a chaser. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure they could. Yeah, <laughs> with well, no jobs going at the minute. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Uh, Stephen, you've been on the chase, of course. You're on a team with, need I remind you, Dr. Christian Jessen, comedian Helen Lederer, and JB Gill from JLS. Aha. Uh-huh. You came up against the Sinner and Paul Sinner. You yourself won seven grand in the cash builder. It, um, it was great fun. It was great fun, and I, I got a hundred forty-seven thousand pound question, which I which I was told by my team to turn down. <gasps> That. It's hard. So, well, it, it, I, I, I hard. probably would have got it wrong anyway, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was it was great fun. It was great fun. Uh, Davis has been on as well. He um mm. he won two thousand pounds, but he failed to answer the question: which international football team is the subject of the book Fifty Years of Hurt? Which um, <laughs> well, he went he went for Germany Did apparently. Really? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I suppose he might have thought it was a trick, like that the book was about yeah. about <laughs> the. Uh, I think there's- there's definite overthinking i think um yeah when steve davis was on it was actually the first time i met my my good friend comedian and podcast co-host lucy porter because they were on the same celebrity chase team um and i believe she and uh two of the teammates went for the high offer 
and Steve very sensibly in seat four went low and yeah, got yeah. through. I'm just looking at an article here from uh, from Entertainment Daily at the time. Sure enough, Stephen won seven thousand pounds in the cash builder, but turned down Paul's higher offer of one hundred and forty-seven thousand. Uh, and then, and I'm quoting: "In the final chase, Christian, that's one of your teammates, seems to be the only one yeah. pressing the buzzer as they yeah. limp to a total of twelve. It was an easy target for the cinnamon." And he caught it with a minute and seven seconds to spare. So there you go. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll never know what would have happened if you'd if you'd gone for the. But the it's it's, it's amazing, you know, how how your how your mind goes blank. The simplest good because obviously you get the call maybe a month before from the from the researcher and say, you know, what are you what what are you into what are you like knowledgeable about? I says, well, I'm quite good at music, 80s, 90s music, quite good at that. So you get a couple of sort of softening questions yeah. about it in the beginning. But even then, I'm like, oh. Oh, the camera's on me like, oh no. Yeah, it, it is quite a... <laughs> like, whose al- who, who's album was Dark Side of the Moon? I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Queen. <laughs> it is, pressure does funny things to you. I've been on them uh, Pointless a, a few times, and that is, uh, the pressure of that is that someone is off in the first instantly. I want that. You that. want it? That sorry, sorry to just interrupt you there, Mark, but I felt uh, and it was needed. I had to interrupt you there. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, here he goes. I want to see a trophy. Well, we can all do that. I can't. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Uh, well, since we're doing this, Stephen, I've got two. Oh. Um, <laughs> and those are just the two in my living room. My, my son's got another one in his bedroom. Um, it's quite sad that that's the only trophy I've got in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've never won anything, have you? Never no, won anything. He's just never—he's not had that kind of career, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe they'll come. It's even. funny though that the, the, talking about the pressure because you say you um, suddenly can't remember your own middle name. Ha ha! Or they're easy yeah. questions. That all they—all they've done is ask you where you where you're from. Yeah. The, the struggle that the contestants go through at the top of the chase trying to record their little intro. Hi, my yeah. name's Jenny. I'm 34 <laughs> years old. I'm from Swindon, and I'm a window salesman. Um, and they will forget everything about themselves and say That's, it wrong. Yeah. And and it's just it's that sudden pressure you're in this very alien environment. So I really mm. feel for anybody who goes on as a contestant, whether yeah. it's a celebrity who's putting themselves out of the comfort zone to to raise some money, or yeah. you know it's an ordinary member of the public who's never done anything like this before. It's the the pressure is still real. You know that your mates are going to watch it. You can't. A bad answer could haunt you for years potentially. <laughs> It's not just your mates. It's millions of people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, almost, it's worse if it's something that you should know about as well. Every, if it's a comedy question or something or or, or football, because I'm known to be a football fan, your sort of heart sinks because you're like, this would be humiliating, actually. Yeah. You don't want to go around for the rest of time with you don't want to be at a football. And every week someone says to you, how could you not remember Paul Gascoigne? So that's, yeah, I'd almost rather be out further out of my comfort zone. So at least no, nothing's expected of me. I mean, the amount of episodes, the amount of series, how do you keep coming up the questions? Is it a computer that does it or is it someone that actually researches it? Oh no, there's, there's a team. I think there's about eight of them these days who are right. you know, full-time job researching new questions. So they'll have sort of a, a target of number of new questions to, right. to write. I, I, I mean, I, I vaguely know how it works because I used to work, that job on the weakest link back in the olden right. days 
And by the time I joined, there were already over 100,000 questions in the database. Wow. And you weren't allowed to repeat, just so we're not uh, being asked the same thing over our, again. Our researchers quicken in his boots as we speak. Yeah, we, for our <laughs> quiz. We've, we've got about a database of about 20 questions. Okay. <laughs> Some of them have been in there right since the first episode. <laughs> One thing about the chase as well is that people do get very sort of worked up if they if they feel that someone's underperformed. And mm. I've just got a few tweets here from the time of your appearance, Stephen. Um, right. Oh, my God. These three are absolutely useless. Uh, <laughs> new tweet. They should apologise to their chosen charities and make a donation after this sorry effort. <laughs> this is embarrassing. What a bunch of thickos. Utterly pathetic. So that's, that's five fans. <laughs> But it's exactly the same in snooker, though. I mean, you get you yeah. get these people say, "Oh, look at this! Look, the pockets are huge. I could I could have potted that. How did he miss that? I could yeah. have done that." And and you get people saying, "Oh, there's this guy in my club. He makes centuries every day. He could beat you a lot and everything." I mean, yeah, it's just until you've been out there and done and, and anything in front of the lights, in front of the cameras, it's a completely different thing. You know, it's like Jenny when she comes up against our quiz now. She's gonna, you know, it's gonna be different from just you know yeah. her normal thing. It's like <laughs> the pressure is on. It, it, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, she's not in her. Well, she because she's not in her home environment, but she is. She's in her home. So. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's not the quizzing that she's used to. Planning going to the world does. championship this year, Jenny. I'm I'm hoping to get up there and uh, hoping to take my partner as well because he's he's never been to the Crucible. He's he's only you just been to his, his eighth. <laughs> <sighs> He's so unpredictable. His 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 moods are um, like the wind, aren't they? So it, <laughs> yeah, it we've could said change before. at any moment. So it's it's I think it's it's not the skill, it's the temperament and what kind of mind space he's in. Although Tom would absolutely love to see him and and, and see him in the final because he's right. convinced that he's not a religious man, but he's convinced that that Ronnie O'Sullivan is a demigod. Well, he's on the verge of demigod status, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the eighth. Maybe if he wins it, it Lee will ascend to heaven. Uh, like, he might just get raptured immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <He's gone. laughs> we'll see how Hazel Irving deals with that. Behind. <laughs> well, one he's gone. Um, <laughs> and before we before we come on to the uh, traditional quiz, Jenny, do, do you um, this question you would have been asked before? But do you have techniques for storing information in there do you sort of train the way that a, a snooker player trains or are you just endlessly revising lists of stuff how do you <laughs> how do you maintain your form as a chaser oh i think we've all got different techniques um there's no correct way to to learn things and i think that's that's something mm. that we understand more these days and it's more prevalent in schools that your learning style and working out you know what what works best for you some of my colleagues will sit down with wikipedia and lists and learn them but my brain yeah. doesn't really work like that so i'm kind of uh multimedia visual audio so i will be listening to a podcast about something and then i'll be looking right. everything up while i'm doing it or i like to watch a, a film about something historical and then I can go, oh, yeah, of course, uh, Michael Fassbender played him. <laughs> yeah, can, then I can actually attach something uh, tangible to it yeah. and, and work, work outwards from there. So that's sort of my technique is Whereas, I'll, uh, find, I'll find a vein of interest and dig in that way. Sort of make um, it real for yourself. Whereas someone like someone like Senna, I believe, does just literally hoover up. Uh, yeah. he, he, if you ask him to just recite all of the Oscar winners for the last 70 years. He's or got something, a song for that. 
he's got a son. <laughs> that's right he has isn't he yeah <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> it's, it's a time-consuming business if you have to put all of the world's facts into song but it's whatever works i suppose it is it's exactly it's whatever works but i think that the more important thing than putting stuff into your brain is practicing the recall that is right. for quizzes that is equally important so staying in practice so i'm still in a couple of quiz leagues i will do pub quizzes when i can get away with it and and watch every quiz going on tv because it's all about putting yourself to the test and yeah, it just right. seems after you know i'm watching tipping point and shouting at the tv but it's still that's 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 work i'll be honest that's that's, that's the equivalent of Stephen doing the hours on the table yeah keep those, <laughs> keep those muscles fresh well you can see this quiz as a sort of training exercise then i suppose oh, Jenny. Like, this is like playing a minor <laughs> tournament this is uh this is not a ranking event the format is uh you take a red then a color red then a color for as long as you okay. can you're going in in well you have 147 seconds on the clock the reds are about yourself i was going to say those should be the easy ones but that's not always been the case with our guests um and then you can go green which is tv blue general knowledge or black for snooker itself. I think Jenny should be only snooker. I mean, it's obvious the other two categories, she's going to get every question right. Well, let's see. We've had some good performances <laughs> and also some very poor performances. The the leaderboard, perhaps not surprisingly, Stephen Fry's got um, the biggest uh, break to date, which is 26. Uh, okay. Back in the day, Stephen made eight, but that was in the early days of the of the quiz. Um, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I don't think we should... The standard was better in those days. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. The tables <laughs> play very easily these days. Um, well, uh, let's see. Uh, Jenny, are you ready? I'm off duty, to be fair. You so are I'm, off duty. I'm, you can, af- give, you can give, afford to. Give myself that cushion, that excuse. Yeah. <laughs> that said, here we go. Uh, in what year did you first appear on The Chase? That would be 2015. That's the red in. So, green for TV, blue for general knowledge, black for snooker. I'm going to have a green. Uh, June this year will mark how many years since the chase was first broadcast in the UK? <sighs> that would be 17. Ooh, I've got 15 on my, on my card. Okay. I've, I've, I've messed that up, haven't I? Oh, well. <laughs> uh, another red. What was your specialist subject on Mastermind in 2006? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Correct. Uh, Colour? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll have blue. General knowledge. Uh, Harry Clark recently won which popular BBC TV show hosted by Claudia Winkleman? Spoilers. The traitors. Yes, that is a bit of a spoiler, but I, I feel like if you haven't watched it by now, <laughs> back to a red. It was magnificent, wasn't it? Um, um, yeah. You are followed on Twitter by four pro snooker players, tour players. Can you name one of them? Matt Selby is correct yes also jordan brown ryan evans and shauna sullivan uh another color let's go blue again how many letters are there in the word conscientious oh no this is your kind of thing mark it is actually yeah i love counting stuff up <laughs> is she writing it down um, I, I suppose she's allowed to write it down yeah I, there's no i don't have anything on my card about that 14 oh 13. oh ah. see it doesn't it's help cool. no it didn't help we go back to red. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, you have two nicknames: the Vixen and. Oh well, I could I could say something insulting to myself. The Bolton Brain. <laughs> Bolton Brainiac is what I've got here. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what else? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Away from Wikipedia, you may have many more nicknames. Um, another colour. Blue. What is the capital city of Chile? Um, Asensio. 
Ooh, Santiago. Santiago. Ah! Oh, terrible. Red, I wonder if you'll know this. Within 3,000, how many followers do you have on Instagram? 82,000. Oh, well, it's 88, so you're more popular than ah. you imagine yourself to be, in fact. Another red. In 2010, you were part of the team The Gamblers, who won Only Connect. Who did you beat to the title? It Can was... Remember the name of your enemies. Ah... Uh. The, uh, the Archers Admirers. No, it wasn't them in the final. It's the Strategists. The Strategists. Oh, that's, that was very poor. Well, Please look, tell me I'll be a, be a chaser. I didn't know I had to know things about myself. No, well, that people are often not expecting that. And uh, <laughs> it's surprising. what I, I've, I've never done the quiz, but it'd be interesting to see what I, I'm able to uh, remember. Also, yeah, especially stuff like follower numbers. Most of us are simply not vain enough to keep an eye on that. No. It's like pointless trophies. You don't keep track of them. Maybe it's maybe it's no. They just lie around the house. That's cool. Jenny's course nine, yeah, which oh. brings her level with uh, Kasabian's Chris Edwards, but crucially, uh, still ahead of Stephen Hendry. <laughs> and that might be your only chance to beat a chaser, Stephen. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Jenny. Uh, Sorry I to feel pre- like I've let myself down now. I, well, I want, I want a, a rematch soon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, you, know, you, you know, you. It's nice to have a bit of your life where you're not quizzing. So you, you, you know, you could have done without that sort yeah. of uh, shift. I'm, to, I'm in, I'm in holiday mode now. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm on the wind down. <laughs> yeah, quite right. Well, thanks, Jenny. Maybe see you at the Crucible Thanks, or at the tournament soon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. see the Crucible. Hopefully. Thanks for coming on. See you soon. Love to Tom. Cheers. So that's all from us this week on Snooker Club. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Snooker Club wherever you get your podcasts. And you can head to WST's YouTube to watch the show back. Please keep sending your emails in. The address, as always, is snookerclub at wst.tv. We'll be back in two weeks. Another episode fresh off the back of the Players' Championship in Telford as the season starts to reach its climax. Next week, the 147 returns your fortnightly roundup from WST. Until then, see you soon. See you later.